1 Samuel chapter 3. So, for those that are new, I, I've been at, I'm starting my 12th year here at Mars, but I, I've been pastoring for like 42, 43 years. And I go back and forth preaching through books of the Bible, and I go back and forth, Old Testament, New Testament, Old Testament, New Testament. I usually spend, I try not to go longer than six months in any one book. I know there's some preachers that will preach through Isaiah and take five years. I'm like, oh, I'm not doing that. Um, but we, are, we just finished Ephesians. We're going through 1 Samuel, 2 Samuel, kind of hitting the highlights. And um, so grab your Bibles and open to 1 Samuel or in chapter 3. This great prophet of the Lord. And I've entitled this sermon, How to Hear from the Lord. How to Hear from the from Jesus. And I'm, I'm kind of taking, there's lots of passage in, passages in the Bible about hearing from the Lord, but I'm going to kind of focus on six lessons from the story of Samuel. So 1 Samuel chapter 3, I'm going to start in verse 1. Let's, let's read it. It's kind of a longer passage. The boy Samuel ministered before the Lord under Eli. In those days, the word of the Lord was, what? Was rare. There were not many visions. One night, Eli, Eli's a high priest. He's not a very good priest. Neither are his sons, very ungodly men in ministry, unfortunately. One night, Eli, whose eyes were becoming so weak that he could barely see, was lying down in his usual place. The lamp of God had not yet gone out. That's the candelabra in the tabernacle. And Samuel was lying down in the house of the Lord, He's in, you know, I call it, he's sleeping in church here, uh, where the ark of God was. And the ark of God was like God's earthly throne. Then the Lord called Samuel. Samuel answered, here I am. And he ran to Eli and said, here I am, you called me. But Eli said, I didn't call you. Go back and lie down. So he went and lay down. Again, the Lord called, Samuel. And Samuel got up and went to Eli and said, Here I am, you called me. My son, Eli, said, Look, I did not call you. Go back to sleep and stop waking me up. Verse 7. Now Samuel did not know the Lord. The word of the Lord had not yet been revealed to him. The third time the Lord called Samuel. And Samuel got up and went to Eli and said, Here I am, you called me again. Then Eli realized that the Lord was calling the boy. So Eli told Samuel, Go and lie down. And if he calls you, say, Speak, Lord for your servant is listening. So Samuel went and laid down in his place. The Lord came and stood there, calling as at the other times, Samuel, Samuel. Then Samuel said, speak, for your servant is listening. And the Lord said to Samuel, see I'm about to do something in Israel that will make the ears of everyone who hears about it tingle. At that time I will carry out against Eli everything I spoke against his family from beginning to end. For I told him that I would judge his family forever because of the sin he knew about. His sons blasphemed God and he failed to restrain them. Therefore, and this is not very pleasant, verse 14, I swore to the house of Eli that guilt of Eli's house will never be atoned for by sacrifice or offering. Samuel lay down until morning and then opened the doors of the house of the Lord. He was afraid to tell Eli the vision. But Eli called him and said, Samuel, my son? Samuel answered, uh, yes, here I am. What was it he said to you? Eli asked. 
Do not hide it from me. May God deal with you, be it ever so severely, if you hide from me anything he told you. So Samuel told him everything, hiding nothing from him. Then Eli said, he is the Lord. Let him do what is good in his eyes. So we're going to close there. Keep your Bibles open, but that's where I'm going to end. Now, I have, I, I was looking up some humor about listening for the voice of the Lord, and I found this one, which I, I just, I thought this was funny. So, a Jewish businessman in America decided to send his son to Israel to absorb some of the culture of the homeland. When the son returned, the father asked him to tell him about his trip. The son said, hey, Pop, I had a great time in Israel. By the way, I converted to Christianity. Oy vey, said the father, what have I done? He decided to go ask his friend Jacob what to do. Jacob said, funny you should ask. I too sent my son to Israel, and he also came back a Christian. Perhaps we should go see the rabbi and ask him what we should do. So they went to see the rabbi. The rabbi said, funny you should ask. I too sent my son to Israel. He also came back a Christian. What is happening to our young people? Perhaps we should go talk to God and ask him what to do. The three of them prayed and explained what had happened to their sons and asked God what to do. Suddenly, a voice came loud and clear from heaven. The voice said, funny you should ask. I, too, sent my son to Israel. <laughs> so, after the first service, there were people like, I don't get it. I was like, see me afterwards. So, I want to talk about six ways to hear from the Lord. And we're going to start, though, with some background in chapter 3, verse 1. You'll notice it says, The boy Samuel ministered before the Lord under Eli, and in those days the word of the Lord was rare. There were not many visions. You know, there are times through history where the word of God becomes rare. When you do not have faithful ministers and prophets and pastors teaching from the word of God. And in fact, I, I feel bad because I even feel like in the United States, as we're in the last days, that the word of God is becoming rare. And we're supposed to be this great Christian nation. And, and I'm like, what is going on? Now, let me share with you a prophecy in the book of Amos. It's a prophecy about the end times. And I'm like, oh, wow, we're getting there. The days are coming, declares the sovereign Lord, when I will send a famine through the land, through the whole earth. Not a famine of food or a thirst for water, but a famine of hearing the words of the Lord. People will stagger from sea to sea and wander from north to east searching for the word of the Lord, but they will not find it. I'm like, wow. There are, there'll be people that are searching for someone to preach God's word, to say what, what is true, what is right, what is wrong, what, you know, what is the way of salvation. But they'll have a hard time finding people giving the word of God. 
The Apostle Paul says in 2 Timothy, he starts in chapter 3, and you realize in the original there were not chapters, but he says, let me tell you what the end times are going to be like. People are going to love themselves, lovers of money, lovers of pleasure, and he goes on. But he eventually comes to this section when he says, in the end times, for the time will come when people will not put up with sound doctrine. They'll be like, don't, we don't want the word. We don't want this word. Instead, to suit their own desires, they will gather around them a great number of teachers to say what their itching ears want to hear. And it's like exactly kind of what's going on. It's like these people are like, hey, as long as you come to my church and you pay me something, I'll, let, I'll tell you exactly what you want to hear. Let's, we don't, don't bring your Bibles. You don't need your Bibles. Maybe I'll throw up a verse every so often, but I'll feed back to you exactly what the world is already feeding them. It's crazy, but it's, but it's happening. In the midst of this, I see six things here on how we can hear the word of the Lord. And the first one is, I think as believers, if you want to hear from the Lord, you need to be a believer that engages in worship. So in chapter 1, verse 28, it says, this is Hannah gives birth to Samuel. And she's dedicating him to the Lord. She brings him to the tabernacle to live in the presence of God. So verse 28, 28 of chapter 1. So now I give him to the Lord. For his whole life he will be given over to the Lord. And he worshiped the Lord there. Now my version has he worshiped the Lord there. Which is talking about Samuel. And he's a little boy. We think he's only three, four years old. And he is worshiping God. Some versions have they worship the Lord there. They know it's Samuel. But they, it could be that Elkanah and Hannah. The parents of Samuel are also worshiping too. But Samuel is definitely worshiping the Lord. And I think worship is very powerful. I think when you are just in love with Jesus and you're worshiping and praising him, that that is often how God will, it opens up God's voice for us to hear him. There are lots of people that come to church and will say to me, Pastor Joe, why do we even bother with the, all that music part in the first part? Why don't we just get to the Bible? Let's get right to the word. But you do not realize that it is the worship that I think prepares us to hear God's voice, that we just love on him and give him praise and honor and glory. There's all kinds of verses King David, you know it's Samuel's grandson that becomes the head worship leader at the temple. King David has worshiped 24-7 by 24 different crews around the clock. So whenever you would go to meet with God, you would always enter his gates with thanksgiving and praise. You would always have worship before you hear the voice of the Lord. This is another verse. Someone went to Elijah King Jehoshaphat said, hey, listen, I need you to talk to God. I, I need some direction. And it says that Elijah asked for a harpist to come to play. And while the harpist was playing uh, godly music, the hand of the Lord came on Elijah. And he said, this is what the Lord says. I know for my life, often I'm like, oh, Lord, I need what is your will. Whether what to preach on or how to live my life or some decision I have to make. And I can put on good Christian worship music. And through the music, God, I, I think he's, if you worship him, you bow your spirit before the Lord. 
I think it opens you up to hearing his voice speak to you. Number two, you need to be a believer who serves the Lord. Three verses point out that Samuel, at a very young age, is serving God. So chapter 2, verse 11. Chapter 2, verse 11. Then Elkanah, that's Samuel's dad, went home to Ramah. But the boy ministered or served before the Lord under Eli the priest. Verse 18. But Samuel was ministering, serving before the Lord. A boy wearing a linen ephod. Chapter 3, verse 1. The boy Samuel ministered, again in the original Hebrew, ministered serving before the Lord. So I think if you want to hear the voice of the Lord, you need to be a believer that's serving God. So let me ask you a question. Are you using your talents and gifts that God has given you to serve him? If you are not serving him, then as a believer, you are guilty of asking God to serve you. So if you are not serving the Lord in some way, then this is what your prayer life is like. And I'd be surprised if you hear God's voice to you. God, this is you in the morning. God, I have my list for you to serve me. I want you to help me. I need traveling mercies to work. I need you to help me on my job. I want to make some good money. And by the way, if these three stocks could go up, I, that would be helpful. Um, I, I want you to help my kids. My kids are having a tough time. And I want you to, you know, move with my spouse. And I, I would like a vacation. And I, my leg has been hurting me. If you, could, if you could heal my leg and if you would just make me happy and successful. Thank you. That's, what, that's a lot of believers. You, you like kind of view God like a genie. You're rubbing and, and you're like, God, serve me. Do this for me. I want this. Help me out here. But yet, are you serving the Lord? I, Joshua said, but as for me and my house, we're serving God. It's finding a way to plug in to be used, to, to bring honor and glory to the Father. I think those believers, you're going to hear God's voice a lot better when you're serving him instead of him serving you. Number three, you need to be a believer who hangs out with God. So chapter 2, verse 21 says, And the Lord was gracious to Hannah, she gave birth to three sons and two daughters. Meanwhile, the boy Samuel grew up in the presence of the Lord. He's hanging out with God. Chapter 3, um, in verse, let's see here, verse 3, it says, The lamp of God had not yet gone out, and Samuel was lying down in the house of the Lord, where the ark of God was. You know that's where God's Shekinah glory was present. And then the Lord called Samuel. So Samuel is hanging out with God. So, so I was thinking, okay, where's different places you can hang out with God? 
church. Jesus said, wherever two or three are gathered, there I am in the midst. So many people hear from the Lord going to church, a Christian camp, a Sunday school class, a Bible study class, a small group, hanging out with some good Christian friends. Um, sometimes just getting out alone with the Lord in nature. Whenever I would go through difficult times early on in my ministry, I had a mountain that I would walk up and I would get alone with God on that mountain to hear from the Lord. The Lord has hundreds and thousands of ways to communicate with us. He can talk to us through the word, through other people, through a good teacher, a good counselor, a friend, a minister, your spouse, circumstances, closed and open doors, dream. I, it's, it's countless. God is infinite in the ways he can communicate. But you need to spend time. I think probably one of the best ways to hang out with God is in your prayer closet, which is what this picture is. That's where every day, you don't have to literally go to a closet, but every day you just spend alone time with Jesus, your best friend, and, and with the word, and you're, you're talking to the Lord, and you're listening to the, for the Lord to talk to you and speak to you, and so that prayer closet is a very special time hanging out with Jesus every day for him to speak to you. Step four, you need to be, as a believer, to listen you know, Eli told Sam, you need to listen for the voice of God. Isaiah 28, 23 says, listen and hear my voice. Now, I want to show you something I never saw before. And um, I thought this was interesting. If you look at verse 6, chapter 3, verse 6, it says, again, the Lord called. And what did the Lord say? Samuel. All right, that's it, Samuel. Look at down in verse 8. A third time the Lord called, and what did he say? Samuel. But now, the fourth time, and the final time, I want you to see what the Lord does. Verse 10, the Lord came and stood there calling as at the other times, and what does the Lord do this time? Samuel, Samuel. So, <laughs> I never, I saw something and someone claims that maybe Billy Graham's the one that figured this out. But I'm going to guess that Billy Graham probably stole it from some other preacher who stole it from some other preacher all the way back to the Apostle John. But you know that there are seven times, and I'll get to the eighth time, there are seven times when Jesus calls people twice, says their name twice in a row. And this is a whole amazing sermon all in itself. Abraham's the father of the faith. He's about to sacrifice his one and only son under God's direction because it's a picture that God the Father is going to give his son. And, and I just think the Lord, stop! Abraham, Abraham, hold on, hold on, hold on. I, I see you're going to obey. It was, it's a picture of what I'm going to do. Here's a ram offered that person instead. Then Jacob you know, his, he's Israel, Joseph's in Egypt, and Joseph invites his dad and the family to move to Egypt, that he'll take care of them. And Jacob goes, you know, I don't know if I should take the family, which was 70 strong. He had 12 sons and a daughter and their children, 70 of them. 
And Jacob's like, I don't know if I should move to Egypt or not. When God goes, Jacob, Jacob, do not be afraid. I want you to move to Egypt. Go to Egypt. And I'm going to transform in Egypt your little family of 70 into a mighty nation. And years later, when the Israelites left, all the descendants of Jacob, there was three million of them. They actually became a whole nation. As I say, Egypt was pregnant with God's people. So then, of course, you got Moses. Moses was washed out in ministry. He attempted to do ministry in his own flesh and failed and walked away defeated and went out in the desert and Oh, he's 80 years old. He's like, man, I'm a washed up minister and I'm just waiting to go to glory. When all of a sudden there's a burning bush and he hears Jesus go, Moses, Moses, I'm reactivating you. I'm not done with you. I could just see Moses, I'm an old guy. And Jesus is like, no, you're not. Don't worry. You're going to live extra long. I'm calling into ministry. I want you to go get my people out of Israel. You're going to give birth to that nation, and you're going to lead them to the promised land. And then, of course, you have Samuel. Samuel, who becomes this great, amazing prophet. The word of the Lord was rare, and Samuel brings back the word of God and preaches what God tells him to do, and he anoints King Saul and then King David. Then you come to the New Testament. It's the same Lord. It's funny. Same Lord of the Old Testament. It's the New Testament. Same Jesus. You know, Martha comes in from the kitchen. Jesus, I am cooking the fellowship meal after this church service here. And Mary is like hanging out in church. When we're busy in the kitchen, you tell her to help us. Martha, Martha, you're worried about many things. But, you know, this is sit in church. Relax. You know, she's, she's choosing the better thing. Simon, Simon. I put this verse up. Because Simon kind of reminds me of Moses a little bit. Simon, Simon. Satan has asked to sift all of you apostles like wheat. You're all going to deny me. You're going to turn from me. And as I often say, um, well, let me, but Jesus, I've prayed for you, Simon, that your faith may not fail. I just praise the Lord for the interceding of Jesus Christ for us. Um, Because I think to myself, boy, if I, in the church, cursed out Jesus and told all of you, I don't know who he is. I, I never heard of him and all that stuff. I know I would be put under discipline for two years. But it's interesting that Simon's denying Jesus Christ, and then within a short time, he is preaching the sermon on Pentecost, and 3,000 people are getting saved. What I like about this is that Jesus says to Simon, hey, I prayed for you, and I pray that you're going to come back. You know, I know you think you're done, and you're over, and you can't be used anymore in ministry. You blew it, but Jesus is like, I'm the God of the second chance and the third chance. And Peter, when you come back, you are going to help strengthen the other apostles and tell them, hey, look, you, you can come back too. Come on, it's come, let's get on fire for Jesus again. And then, of course, the last one is Saul. Saul, the call of salvation. Saul, how hard is it to fight against the conviction of the Holy Spirit? You need to surrender and give your heart to the Lord. Now, there is one more time 
that Jesus, it's the eighth time, there's one more time that Jesus said someone's name twice in a row. And if you were in the other two services, you're not allowed to answer. If you listened online, you're not allowed to answer. If you know the answer, you're not allowed to answer. <laughs> Does anyone know what is the eighth time that Jesus said someone's name twice in a row? My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Extra bonus in heaven for you. Okay. I was like, wow. Now, God can call your name at any time. You'll notice in chapter 3 that... Let's get to chapter 3. I notice in verse... Uh, end of verse 8, it said, Eli realized that the Lord was calling the boy. In Bible times, by the time you were a teenager, you were already a man. So, I don't know how old... Samuel is. I don't know if he's eight years old, 12 years old, 10 years old. I just know he's a boy. But God's calling him. So I, I wanted to share with you a story that happened, oh, I don't know, last year that just brings humor and kind of opened my eyes, actually, a little bit. My son-in-law, who's married to my oldest daughter, we have seven children, um, was pastoring a church south of Pittsburgh, and it's a church of 30, and he pastors bivocationally, and they, don't, they didn't have Sunday school. And, and my son-in-law says, we should have an adult Sunday school class. And so, would anyone like to teach the adult Sunday school class? No one is volunteering. No one has stepped forward. Some of the board members said to my son-in-law, Pastor Matt, you should teach Sunday school. And Pastor Matt went, look, I'm bivocational. It's tough enough for me to get a sermon every Sunday. I don't have time to put a Sunday school lesson together too. So we'll just keep praying that God raises up a Sunday school teacher. Well, someone finally volunteered and said, God's calling me to be the Sunday school teacher. The church was in shock. But they attended, and every week for like a year and a half, there were 15 to 20 adults in this Sunday school class. But they didn't like it. In, in one sense, they loved it. So, but they, they also didn't like it. They were like, oh, we're so divided. And... Uh, and they would go to my son-in-law, the pastor, and say, I, we just, we don't like this. And he would go, well, are they teaching the scriptures? Yeah. Are you enjoying? Are you learning? Yeah. Um, does anyone else on the board, most of the board members were in the Sunday school class, does someone else want to take over? No. Then they called the district and said, this is what's happening. What do you think about this? And the district said, yeah, so what? We don't have a problem. Do you know who was teaching that adult Sunday school class? My 14-year-old grandson. I never would have thought of anything like this myself, okay? I've never had this happen. I'm glad it happened with him. <laughs> but he was asking week after week, and my grandson, Isaac... 
who is amazingly like gifted by God, he said, God spoke to me to teach the adult Sunday school class. And so he goes to an independent Christian school in Pittsburgh and he got the lessons and he's teaching and that all the people are like, he's great, it's, he's amazing. We just don't know if this is right, having a 14-year-old teach us, even though none of them want to do it. <laughs> so that opened my eyes to like, wow, I never would have ever thought of that. I don't think it's ideal, but I mean, Tom, Thomas, how old were you? I know God's call came on your life. Thomas is preparing for be the youth pastor here, but how old were you when I had you preach your first time here? 16. Oh, you are an old man. Okay. It just opened my eyes to potential and that God often calls children. Our daughter was called to be a missionary, we think at like eight years old. Um, don't underestimate, and even in this church, I'm amazed how many kids are serving God in this church. And, and they're, they're not just being served, and waiting till they're 18, they're already being used by God, called by God to, to do ministry. So it's, it's, don't underestimate, Jesus at 12 years old was astounding the teachers at the temple. The apostle John, we believe, was 16 years old when he became an apostle. So you never know when God's gonna call you. You need to confirm the voice of God with his word. I'm not gonna go over this a lot, but anytime you think that God is speaking to you, you always need to confirm it with the word. If, if the word contradicts the voice that you, or whatever message you're getting, the word trumps that, all right? So if you come to me and go, Pastor, the Lord's been speaking to my heart that because I've become so successful and wealthy, I can trade in my spouse for a younger new model. You did not hear that from the Lord. You heard that from someone else, but not from Jesus. God's will will never contradict what he has revealed in his word. So be people of the word. In fact, this is the way most of the time God is going to speak to you. You need to be ready to obey God's word that was given to you. So, you know, he tells Samuel his word and now Samuel has to give God's word to Eli. You have to be willing to obey God's word when it is given. You have to be willing to not only be hearers of the word, but doers of the word. And Jesus gave a parable about those two different type of believers. There are believers who listen to God's word and they put it into action. They're building their spiritual life on the rock. There are Christians who listen to God's word, but they don't obey. They don't put it into effect. And you are building your life on sand. And so here's the parable. Jesus says, therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew a bit and beat against that house, yet it did not fall because it had its foundations on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on sand. The rain came down, the streams rose, the winds blew and beat against the house, and it fell with a great crash. So we need to not only hear God's word, but when you're hearing God's word, you need to step out. You need to obey. You need to follow through. Now, this is called the minister's test 
what poor Samuel had to go through. And believe me, I know this test. This is a test that all ministers go through. It's a test that all elders go through of a church. It's a test that all Sunday school teachers and Bible teachers. If you're going to be used in ministry in a leadership position, then you are going to be tested if you're going to tell people what God says. It's very scary. So the Lord spoke to Eli. Did e No, excuse me. The Lord spoke to Samuel. And then what did Samuel have to do? Tell his stepdad. Did Samuel want to tell him? No, he was fearful. Did he tell him? It says he told him everything. Okay? Unless you can do that, share God's truth, even though it can be scary, you're not fit to be a minister, an elder, a Sunday school teacher. This is very tough. I, I always say this is the toughest thing about being in ministry, and I see more and more pastors who are actually scared to tell the word of God anymore to their congregation. The culture of this country is, you know, they're so fighting against it. Well, here's, oh, well, here it is, Jeremiah. It just reminds me. So this is the call into ministry of Jeremiah. At last, Sovereign Lord, I said, I don't know how to speak. I'm, I'm just a kid. I'm just a kid. Well, we already know that doesn't hold up with the Lord. But the Lord said to me, do not say I am too young. And don't say you're too old. God can call you whenever he wants to. Um, you must go to everyone I send you to and say whatever I command you. Do not be afraid of them. So I think a lot of ministers are afraid of the world in this country because they're getting very hostile. And, you know, so I'm with you. I will rescue you, declares the Lord. Get yourself ready. Stand up and say to them whatever I command you. Do not be terrified by them or I will terrify you before them. You know, when I was in high school, I was a people pleaser. I was not a believer. And uh, I had gone to Spain. I had lived in Spain. And I came back, and my nickname was Happy Jose. So you know how I share humor here? That's the way I was in high school, too. Everyone was my friend. I got along with everyone. It didn't matter what they said, practice, whatever. <laughs> I was like, hey, it's not for me, but if that floats you. But I'm talking about the 70s, right? The 70s was... We love anything. So now I get saved first year at college, and then relatively quick the Lord calls me into ministry, and I'm like, what? I don't, I'm a people pleaser. I don't want to tell people that the things that they're doing, I'm pro-choice. I was pro-choice. But now I got to tell people that, that might not be right. I think that's a baby. I didn't want to do that. I didn't want to get people getting mad at me. I never experienced that. I'm like, Lord, I don't like this. I don't like telling people they're sinners. I don't like... Samuel basically is telling Eli and his two wicked sons, 
you're going to hell. No atonement can be made for what those boys did, how they blasphemed God. Do you think it's enjoyable to tell people that outside of Jesus Christ, you're, you're going to be eternally separated from God in hell and it, you're going to be tortured for all eternity? you think we like saying that? I know, I know there are so many preachers who don't like it that they're just getting rid of hell. They just go, there is no hell. That solves that problem. It's very difficult to be a minister, and you shouldn't be a minister or an elder or a Sunday school teacher if you cannot share in love what God's word says. But it is, it is hard and difficult. I want to close with this. I think one of the first things the Lord will do, just like with Saul, Saul, is he's going to call you. He's going to knock on the door of your soul. So I like this picture because all of us have a door, so to speak, a spiritual door to our lives, to our soul, to who we are. And we're all unique. We were all made to have fellowship with God. But because of sin, we've shut our doors off to God. We've thrown them out. And, and when Jesus comes knocking, it reminds me of when Mary and Joseph showed up at the inn and they knock on the door and the innkeeper goes, no room for Jesus here, sorry. And that's, that's what we do. We, you know, we shut the doors to our souls, not realizing what a wonderful Savior Jesus is. But Jesus isn't going to force himself upon you. He, he is going to knock on the door, and I mean, he, he's, he'll, he'll, he knows you by name, okay? In John, he knows us all by name. He is God. And Jesus is knocking on the door. He's not willing that any should perish, but, but all come to repentance. I mean, he died for everyone. He he's, has this great gift that he wants to give. And he's knocking on the door saying, if you just open the door to your soul, I'll come in and forgive you of your sins, We'll walk together. We'll have fellowship. You were made for me. There's a huge hole in your soul that can only be met. I know that hole leads to depression and you're trying to find some way to fill the hole in the world, but that hole is because you're missing me. And if you let me come in, then we can have this, what Jesus calls the abundant life. We can travel through this life and then for all eternity, we are going to have amazing get-togethers and fellowships. And, but you have to open the door. He's not going to force himself in on you. He's not, God isn't like an AI and you're just some kind of computer or something. He gives you that free choice, whether you're going to open your door from your side or not. But you know he's knocking. I love when I, I'll meet people that are like, Pastor, I'm an atheist. I, I don't believe in God. And I go, I know you say that. But I know Jesus is knocking on your door. And two weeks later, they open up the door. Sometimes I think atheists are the easiest to lead to the Lord. Um, are you here this morning? Have you opened the door of your soul and said to Jesus, I'm a sinner and... He died on the cross for your sins to, to pay the penalty of hell that we all deserve. 
and to ask him to be your savior, Lord, and the brother that never leaves you. And, and it's an amazing journey with the Lord. And, and let me tell you, the way the world's going, you're going to want Jesus more than ever. Believe me. You're going to want him. Let's bow our heads. And if you're here this morning and you've got this hole in your life, you know some, something, someone is missing. It is Jesus. It is the Lord. And he's knocking. He's calling your name. And if you just cry out in repentance and ask the Lord in your heart, he will come in. I'm going to pray a prayer out loud, and I invite you to pray silently with me to open your door to your life to Jesus Christ. I'll pray out loud. You pray silently. Lord Jesus, I confess I'm a sinner and really not even worthy to be in heaven. But thank you for going to the cross to pay for my sins, to suffer hell in my place. Jesus, I am just so sorry and broken, and I'm turning to you in repentance. I open the door to my soul and life to you, Jesus. I want you to come in to be my Savior and Lord, and to walk, I want to walk with you this day forward through this life on the earth and for all eternity. Thank you for forgiving me of my sins. And thank you that you never leave me nor forsake me, that you are a faithful God. With heads bowed and eyes closed, I always like to pray a prayer of blessing upon those who prayed that prayer with me. So no one's looking. Everyone's Christians are praying. If you prayed that prayer along with me, if you would just slip up your hand and then after I see you, put it down and say, Pastor, I prayed that prayer to give my heart to the Lord. Anyone here this morning? Just slip your hand up. God bless you, brother. God bless the two of you. God bless you. Anyone else other than these four? I don't want to miss anyone. Anyone else? Don't, I'm not going to call you out or anything, so you don't have to be worried. Anyone else pray that prayer to open your heart to Jesus and you asked him in? Okay, Father, I, we come and pray for these four or five individuals. Let me see, five, four or five. And we ask that you would move upon them, that they would realize this morning that they've asked you to come in. May your spirit, your Holy Spirit, testify to their spirit that their sins are forgiven and under the blood. They have been separated from them as far as the east is from the west. And may by your spirit you confirm to them that they are now children of the living God. And may they leave here knowing that not only is God real, but that Jesus Christ lives in their heart. May they stand up strong for Jesus. May they testify that they are in love with God and live for him for from this day forward. In your name we pray, amen.